Utah State men's basketball program announced a couple of new signees just the other day. We get a chance to talk to their head coach, Craig Smith, about who these guys are, how that all happened, and definitely an international flair going on with Utah State men's basketball. Coach Smith, thanks for spending some time with us today. Hey, Coach. Hey, fellas. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a while, so I'm excited to be back on this show on this beautiful day, although it's one of those rare days where the sun's not out. And so... Um, but I'm happy to be on, and, and thanks for the time. So, first of all, I mean, day, one day after another, we hear of two international players, one from Poland, one from Ukraine. I, I just I just want to know, who got that recruiting trip? Did anybody <laughs> go out and uh, get on a flight to go to Europe, or are you just doing this strictly off of tape? Well, uh, we've been recruiting both these guys for quite some time, and recruiting is always... Uh, you know, you wish you could write a book on recruiting, and you probably can, but there's, it's just, you just never know how it's all going to work out, right? And, and we've, we've been recruiting, quite frankly, worldwide for uh, ever since we've been at Utah State, and we really started it kind of the end of our, the end of our tenure at um, South Dakota. And so um, these are a couple young men that we're super excited about. Um, obviously, the NCAA has said we can't um, be on the road recruiting. You know, once the, we were actually on the, getting ready to go on a flight, the day so Thursday was the day the NCAA tournament got canceled. We were about to have a practice, and then uh, Eric Peterson and I were going to go on a flight to go see Raleigh Worcester playing his state tournament game, his state semifinal game. And then word came in that, nope, NCAA is canceling um, in-person recruiting. So we had to get out of that flight, so on and so forth. But I, I actually flew to see the big fella, uh, Shimon, last September sometime and and got a chance to meet him and talk to him and kind of do that whole thing. And so we had, you know, that was right before practice was starting. And and uh, it's always nice, and you can't do it. Um, in an ideal world, you always want to spend face time with, with the prospect, with, you know, if you can, their family, and just to get to know them on a different level, they get to know you on a different level, and and I think you build trust um, with each other from that respect. And, and you know, it's like anything. Like, we can sit on the phone all day and talk, and people are going to form an impression. But when you can get face-to-face with somebody, sometimes that has a whole other feel. Sometimes it feels exactly the same. Uh, but I think you get a better gauge. Like, is that guy... Uh, a genuine person is he a real person or is he full of you know what and and i think that's the beauty of in-person um recruiting obviously um you know and i know i'm taking this a step further but right as of right now it doesn't look like we're going to be able to go watch a kids play aau tournaments which really you know you can watch games from 8 a.m till 11 p.m and and so you just can mass evaluate and you just see so many more kids. But at the same time, in some ways, it might be better to do it the way we're doing it now because you just dig into the game film, right? And you just watch them play with their high school team or their AU team and kind of get a, a different perspective that way. So um, anyway, it's kind of crazy how it all um, just worked out where we ended up getting two commitments on back-to-back days, and it felt like we hadn't had a commitment for an eternity. So... We were super excited about both these young men. I love our freshman class. And, 
you know, when it comes to recruiting, I know this is a long answer, but you're always trying to blend um, building the best team that you can for next year while at the same time building your team two years from now and three years from now and four years from now. And, and you, you can't be short-sighted. And so many people nowadays just live in the now, and it's always about next year, and it is about next year. Like, you know, I think these guys can contribute, or we wouldn't have taken them uh, at this point. Uh, but at the same time, you got to keep building for three years from now and keep the big picture in mind. So uh, I really like our roster. We're going to have some inexperience, but we certainly have a lot of guys, that, uh, uh, a team full of guys that I really believe in. Well, Coach, let's talk about one of your new signees. Uh, it's a big one, metaphorically and literally, uh, 6'11 to 220. Now, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Simon Sapala? How bad have we been Shimon. butchering it? Shimon. Shimon. Okay. Maybe I'm screwing it up, Holy too. cow, wasn't even close. <laughs> and how about his last name? Oh, man, you got me. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> hey, uh, but, but tell us about this kid. I mean, obviously, the last time you went and recruited a foreign kid uh, internationally and he came to Utah State, turned out to be a diamond in the rough and a gem in uh, Namiya's Keta. Tell us about uh, Shimon. Well, he's he's a very good player and an unbelievable person. And... And, and both, like, and the dude is a brainy, like, he's super intelligent, and he's just a very humble, well-thought-out young man. He just, I mean, every time you talk to the guy, he's got unbelievable questions, and I'm just like, man, you know, I can tell I got an ACT on my test score compared to this dude, but, um, and I took it twice to get that 18, but, um, I'm kind of kidding, but he is, uh, he's, uh, so he's a great person. He's going to thrive here. Comes from a smaller community in uh, Poland. Great family. And, um, you know, for a long time it was um, uh, it was Stanford and us. And then, of course, like uh, late in the year, especially with big guys, you know, teams are scrambling. And all of a sudden, you know, all these other – Minnesota, Wake Forest, Maryland, all these other schools start pouring in trying to get them and – and, but he's a he's a person that really is about relationships and trust, and and which we love, and you got to have that. But on the floor, he's like an aircraft carrier. Like he is, I mean, he's six eleven. He told me the other day what he weighed in kilograms or whatever whatever it is. And I trans, you know, I did. I pulled out the calculator while I was on the phone, and and uh, or not the calculator. I I punched it in online uh, on my phone and. It translated out to about 240. So, and he's big. Like seeing him in person, he's a legitimate 6'11, and his shoulders are super broad. But he's got great feet, great hands. Uh, he's physical, uh, and he's got great feel. Like he just really understands the game and knows how to play. And he's got a high motor. Like he's always moving. Like he just understands spacing the floor. So if a guy is driving the ball at a certain angle he understands how to find the window to find an opening and then he's uh he's a really good finisher around the basket so he's developing a three-point game as well i mean it's not where he needs to be that way but certainly he shot it at a a decent percentage last year so he's got great experience playing internationally and playing for his country uh of poland and, and he's been very well coached so there's a lot of exciting things is he uh, he's not, you know, he's got a lot of work to do at the same time to get to develop his overall potential. But he's um, 
uh, I can't wait to get uh, rolling to coaching this guy. And then Max Shulga from Ukraine. Both of these guys participated in the under-18 FIBA European Championships. This is a guard from Ukraine. Looks like he's got a pretty good shot and led a lot of different categories when he participated in that uh, FIBA World Championship. Yeah, Max is a uh, – uh, I think he's a really um, – I, I love his game. I think he's uh, he's just so versatile. He He's an excellent shooter. Like, you see the stats, and it, it, that's what really – when you watch him p- play, it just really pops that this guy loves basketball. And he just – you know, you talk to him, and like, what – you know, what are, what are your hobbies? And, of course, kids don't even know what the word hobbies means anymore. Like, but it's, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? You know, he goes, Coach, honestly, all I like to do is play basketball. Like, I love to play basketball. And so, um, and so that's a great trait, but you can feel that when you watch him play. But he's an elite shooter. He's one of those guys that when he misses a shot, you're almost surprised. Like, he can really, really shoot it. And every time he misses, it's right on. Like, he doesn't miss left or right. He's got really good feel. Um, he's a, a very good passer, and um, but he's just kind of a jack of all trades. Like he's an excellent rebounder. He's tough nosed. Um, he just understands the game, and so I think he brings us a lot of versatility. You know, he's six three or six four, but one ninety, yeah, and he's seventeen. Like if he was in the states, uh, he would be going into senior year of high school. So he's a young, he's a young kid. And, and, um, so he could, I think we can put him in a lot of different scenarios and he's one of those guys that can play with like anybody on the floor and really thrive. So I'm not going to say he's Diogo Brito, their, their game is different, but at the same time, he does have some of those traits. You know how Diogo, um, like you look at a box score after some of the games and he's got 14 points and he's got, you know, four assists and eight rebounds and three steals and 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 Max is kind of like that as well. He he has great anticipation on the defensive end, gets his hands on a on a ton of balls and I, I don't remember what he averaged with steals, but it was a pretty high number. And so um, he kind of does a lot of things. And so when you when you really look at our roster, we still have one scholarship available. Nigel John decommitted in early, uh, like I think it was May 7th or something like that, right around that date, and, and that's a whole other subject. Nothing, no ill will to either party, but um, that's how it goes sometimes. So if he doesn't want to be here, then we wish him the best. And so, um, but when you look at our roster, I'm really excited. We still have one scholarship available, and we'll just have to determine if we decide to use that or not. Coach, once again, you guys are pretty deep. Can you just talk about the excitement not only you have with your freshman class, but I know during press conferences last year, you you just be so hyped and excited about Liam McChesney and Marco Anthony. Can you talk about some of these younger guys who are going to get some minutes this year? I'm really excited about our roster. I mean, obviously, that senior class, you know, losing. I mean, Sam Merrill is uh, he's a once-in-a-generation type of guy. Um, you know, obviously, his folklore and legendary status and everything that he brought to the table, um, not only with his talent, but his leadership and those sorts of things. Like, I mean, that's a, those are, you know, that's going to be a big loss. We all know that. And Abel really was a steady Eddie guy and Diogo was just a fierce competitor. And, and so those guys were a big part of a lot of, you know, 54 wins and 15 losses over the last two years and in, in two Mountain West tournament championships and, two NCAA tournament bursts. So you don't just, you know, 
oh, this guy's this and this guy's that. Like, you got to go prove it, right? And chemistry every year is a big, big deal and, and synergy and all that stuff. Now, that being said, I mean, look at our roster and we're, we got a lot of talent and, and we're, I would say the deepest roster we've had in our three years. But, you know, everyone right now thinks they're going to play 35 minutes a night and that's just not possible. So, you know, we're going to see who develops and do, does those types of things. But, you know, Marco Anthony's a re, uh, transfer from Virginia, played behind, three, I believe, three NBA guys as a sophomore year. So he's gone against great competition. He's, he's got a chance to be very, very good. He's 6'5", and depending on the day, 225 to 230 pounds. And uh, he can play one, two, three, four. Like, he can play any position on the floor except for center. And uh, just brings a lot of versatility. He's an excellent defensive player, and he can really um, he can score. And so we, we, we need him to be a playmaker for us. Um, so he, he sat out last year. You know, I thought Sean Bearstow really came on late in the year. Like, we don't beat New Mexico in the first round of the conference tournament without him. I, I just watched that game the other day, and he had a phenomenal second half, even though he didn't – well, he might have scored two points, but I don't – but he made a great play at the end of the game when Diogo made that three, and he drove it late in the clock, and they helped up, jump stop off two feet, hits Bean for a layup. I think Sean's a guy that uh, uh, needs to take the next step, and he will take the next step. He's ext- extremely motivated. You know, he broke his arm in the championship game, and um, uh, just talked to him the other day. He's, uh, that's all good. So we're excited about that. Liam McChesney, um, you know, 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, Kind of plays like Kevin Durant. I'm not saying he is Kevin Durant, but he has that kind of game to him, really smooth and slinky and unbelievable feet, moves really well. Um, he's up to 204 pounds now. I think when he got here, he was about 180, 175, 180. So he's starting to really gain weight that way. He didn't turn 18 until, I believe, September 28th is his birthday. So he was very young when he got here as well. Um, but he's got to go prove it. He's, amazing. he's got a lot of talent. But he's got to be able to go prove it. And then, and so obviously he'll be a freshman, a redshirt freshman. Stephen Ashworth is coming in. The previous staff signed him, and we love him. He's a gamer, uh, really knows how to play. He just, just got back from his mission in uh, Indiana, and, um, and he can kind of do it all. Yet in the second half against Montverde, and I forget what the tournament, it was a big national tournament late in the year, for Lone Peak High School, he scored 26 points in the second half. So he just has a knack for putting the ball in the hole, and, and that dude loves to play. Raleigh Worcester is the Mr. Basketball in Montana. Team won the state championship. He's 6'3", 205 pounds, and he really knows how to play. So we're super excited about those guys. Um, we'll be young and inexperienced in the backcourt especially. Our frontcourt will be, should it, you know, has a chance to be very, very good. So we got to put it all together. Brock Miller, as we know, is coming back, and he's going to have to – he needs to have a great year for us, and I know he's really excited. He's been working very, very hard. So um, I'm sure I missed some guys, but uh, I wanted to kind of touch those young guys. So Matthew Wickheiser is, is going to walk on for us. He just got back from Italy um, serving his mission. And, you know, Matthew's 6'10", and very, very skilled. And so um, – uh, I think he's got a very bright future, and I think he's going to – I think down the road he's going to be a guy that's going to uh, help our program. So we're super excited about next year, and we're super excited 
um, for the future of Aggie basketball. Again, we're talking to Craig Smith. He's the head coach of the Utah State men's basketball team. And you'd mentioned Abel Porter, uh, the impact that he'd had on Utah State. And we were led to believe that he was done with basketball. And then we learned that he's still got more in him and he's going to go to Ohio State. Uh, what what was that process like to, to hear that he was still going to play, but he's going somewhere else? And if he had one more year, would you rather he stuck it out and have one more year with you? Yeah, that was... Um... Yeah, that was an interesting time. Uh, Abel, Abel was very upfront early in the season that he was going to, you know, treat this year like his senior year. And if something would happen, you know, at a high academic school or a situation like that, that he would, he would probably strongly entertain that option. And so, um, or he was just going to be done. You know, Sam and him are best friends. Abel Red, you know, obviously he served a two-year mission, red-shirted, um, got married about a year ago. Their family's expecting a child, him and his wife Presley. And, and so, but, you know, we met various times like, hey, are you sure this is going to, you know, that you, this will be your last year at Utah State? Yes, coach, I'm going to move on. And so we just always had, and obviously we honored him on senior night. Um, and so uh, season gets over and he had an opportunity, potential opportunity with another um, really prestigious academic school, and I just, you know, and he asked about it, and I said, hey, if that's what you want to do, like, let's let's get you in the portal, and you can explore your options. So, um, you know, we knew the whole time that he wasn't going to be back here, and and I appreciate him just being up front, you know, the whole time that he, you know, he's already graduated, graduated college and three, got his undergrad in three years, has one master's degree that will be completed here in about, what, three weeks? So, I mean, you know, he's earned two degrees at Utah State. Utah State's got a great place in his heart. And so he was always very upfront that this was going to be his last year here. And, and obviously this was an opportunity that he felt like um, he had to do. So I know maybe it rubs some people the wrong way or what have you, but at the same time he was always upfront in terms of, you know, that he wasn't going to come back. And I have a uh, – you know that guy's done a, a lot of great things for us and 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 for our program and and so we're happy for Abel and and we're excited for the next guy that has the opportunity to represent Utah State. Uh, Coach, I know the season's still a little ways away, but with COVID nineteen doing as much damage as it has to schedules and timing of whatever, uh, I know you guys are hoping to go to Myrtle Beach. Is that still in play to still happen? Yeah, to our understanding, all of our schedule. Um, there's no issues. We are, we are, um, pretty much done with our scheduling. It's not, we're not going to have the issues that we had last year. <laughs> That's great. Um, it, yeah. I mean, last year, I, I think we were looking for D1 games in middle of September. And I think part, I think there's a few, few reasons for that. One, they saw Sam Maryland, Kata and the Caster crew coming back. But two, you know, we played, if you remember, we played two conference games in December, and, and our conference tournament was a week earlier, which ended up being a great thing. But, like, if you look at our non-conference schedule last year, we, I mean, we were just playing nonstop, and we hardly had any practice time. And, and, and playing those two league games in that week really eliminated some opportunities to play other games. So this year um, – I don't want to say it was easier, but in some ways it was. It was still very, very difficult getting 
it was easier to get games, but it was still very difficult to get like the LSUs, the high, the BCS schools, right? The LSUs, the Floridas, the, those games were incredibly difficult to get. Um, again, but obviously we're playing BYU at home. Uh, I think it's December 5th. We got St. Mary's at home, I believe December 12th. And so those are two high quality home games that our fans, I think, will love. Um, and should be an electric environment in the spectrum. But as of right now, nothing has been canceled. I think, you know, we're not playing like last year we played in Jamaica. Uh, I think those types of things are probably a little more likely to maybe be like, okay, are we going to play or not? Um, obviously, the California schools, um, the Cal State system, I think, it had announced maybe a week ago or 10 days ago that they're not going to have students on campus. That still hasn't affected the UC schools, and we do play one of those schools um, at our place. So when that was announced, we called them right away, and that nothing like that has been canceled or, um, or you know, um, postponed due to the COVID-19. Hey, Jerry Sloan just passed away late last night. He's a Midwest guy. You're a Midwest guy. I wonder if you could share your thoughts on that. Well, thanks for saying that. I was going to bring that up. You know, he's, um, you know, as a young coach, you always, you know, and obviously you see the last dance and, and you know, the last two series with the Jazz. And um, he's just always one of those guys that, you know, um, our thoughts and prayers are with his family. And But he's just such a legendary figure, certainly in the state of Utah. He's one of two guys that's won over a thousand games um, with one NBA team and, he was just, to me, as a young guy growing up, he was just always a guy you looked up to, even though I had no relationship, didn't know him, didn't know anybody that knew him. But, like, you always respected him. And it was easy to see his tenacity and courage and conviction and competitiveness. But it was equally more impressive as a young coach. It was like, man, these dudes love this guy. Like, and he wasn't one of those guys, my perspective, and I don't, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but, this is just my perspective. He was just one of those guys that wasn't afraid to hold people accountable for, for whatever actions, good or bad. And, and yet he had like a dry, you know, had this dry kind of wit sense of humor. And, um, but it always appeared that the guys that he coached loved to play for him. Like they just, they gave it everything they had um, on a nightly basis. And I think that's one of the things with the Jazz when he coached them is like, you knew, like you got to show up to play to beat them because they're not going to beat themselves. Right. They're not going to be lazy. And like maybe every now and then you're going to have a bad night. Maybe you don't shoot it well, maybe whatever, but they didn't ever seem to make excuses. And so, um, you know, you know, when, when I got hired here two years ago, certainly always talked about Utah state, but this, this state loves basketball. They're very knowledgeable about basketball and very passionate about basketball. And, 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 and I think that those, you know, Jerry Sloan teams that uh, epitomize the state and what they believe in. And that's one thing we tried to tell our guys when we got here, we don't know if we're going to win or lose. Like we don't know that, but we know how knowledgeable our fans are, how passionate they are. And whether it's the Utah state fans or the whole state, and they're always going to respect you if you play hard and you play the game uh, with, you know, being with, a, with an edge, like being a tough-nosed guy, taking charges, first on the floor, 
and they're going to respect you when you share the ball and move the ball and play as a team. And if you do those kind of things, they're going to show up in masses. And obviously they want you to win, but they'll show up if you play the game a certain way. And I think Jerry Sloan's teams really epitomized that, um, certainly in this state, and carried that throughout the country and, and throughout the NBA. So uh, certainly a, a, a tough day and a sad day in, in a lot of respects for the basketball community and in, in the great state of Utah. Coach, uh, great, yeah, great answer, great response. Uh, certainly we're all uh, great memories from a lot of us around here about uh, Jerry Sloan and his impact on the state and how he's treated basketball and life really so uh, appreciate that and appreciate what's going on with Utah State men's basketball. It's a curious time that we find ourselves in, how it affects recruiting and scheduling, but uh, we continue to keep an eye on how you're handling it and uh, we look forward to when we can see basketball in the hardwood again. Man, I can't wait. I, I, I uh, actually, you know, just staying in touch with some of our guys. I talked to Justin Bean and Nimi yesterday and Marco today and those guys are all chomping at the bit. I can't wait to get back here and start working out and you know being together as a team it's hard to believe it's been nine or ten weeks since we all um, were together last and you know we we told the team the NCAA tournament wasn't happening which they had already known we gave our hugs and literally two days later Sean Bearstow's flying back to Australia and Alfonso's going back to Seattle and because that was the recommendation from the school just like it was for most schools and um seems like an eternity to ago but our guys are fired up. you got to make the most out of everything. Everybody's dealing with it. And so we can't wait to get back together and get back on that spectrum floor and represent our, our uh, fantastic school the right way. So can't come soon enough, but at the same time, we're going to work hard to get better. And, and um, this is a time that players are made. And so our guys are very, very determined. And I know we feel like we have a, um, something to prove next year. So we can't wait. All right. Thanks, I Coach. I appreciate you, Coach. Hey, thanks a lot, fellas. Have a great weekend.